We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. Welcome, everybody. Steve Cunningham with Census Fidelium coming at you on the 3rd of March, 2020, talking about the Hidden Rebellion movie. What is this? It's about the War of the Vendee. The flag over behind my right, left shoulder, I would go to, I would go to festivals and have that flag hanging on tents, and people would go by, and I would hand out CDs, say, here, hey, take a CD. It's got 100 sermons on it. It's free. They'll respond back, oh, I know everything about the Catholic faith. Really? I would take my keys and hold it. So here's my car. If you can tell me what that flag means, <laughs> I still have my car after about a thousand attempts. So most people do not know about the Vendee. They know about the French Revolution. And here to tell us a little bit is Daniel, who made the film Hidden Rebellion. How you doing, Daniel? Hi, Stephen. Very well, thank you, and hi to everyone. Thanks for coming on. This uh, what the Vendee is one of my uh, favorite Catholic stories. Um, it's one of the genesis between behind me making the logo. You see, that's on the YouTube channel. That's the that's the logo for Census Fidelium. But anyways, I've been dying to have this, and I heard somebody mention it the other day, and I go, let me call, let me hit Daniel back up. It's been years since I talked to him. Let's do uh, something. And yeah. uh, so, Daniel, tell us about the movie. What made you uh, do the movie, the documentary? Maybe, yeah, I can start with uh, what made me do it. Uh, sorry for the German cuckoo behind me. As you can hear, I am, I'm French, was born and raised in France. And now I have uh, actually the American nationality. I came here when I was 24. Um, and why did I come to America, actually? Because I felt uncomfortable, more and more uncomfortable in France as somebody uh, who tried to be two things, to be a little bit straight uh, in, in ethics in life, not that I succeeded all the time, and to be Christian. And that was censored or impeached or ridiculed since I had been young in high school. But I had been vaccinated against it because at home I had a dad who kept like criticizing almost anything that was said in the news. So I, I had the spirit of uh, uh, resistance, of trying to always suspect it was wrong, what they were telling us. And indeed, most of the time it was wrong, especially when it came to the Catholic faith. Uh, most of my teachers, oh no, let's be fair, maybe half of my teachers would spend always a little bit of their time 
propagandist, being propagandist against religion and especially the Catholic faith. Now they never do anything and say anything against the Muslim faith. They would be beaten up in the classroom by the, the students today. <laughs> but uh, so in that spirit, I came to America. But I want to say that in France, that attitude never really hurt me. Actually, the teachers were almost glad that one of their students would talk back. Um, they were respecting, and actually, I think uh, they were uh, admiring that as a young person, I would talk back to the teacher, stand up in class, or uh, and as teachers, educators, they still wanted some feedback from the students. So uh, the lesson of that is that it pays off, I think, to uh, stand up, to talk back, and to train ourselves. That's what my mentor was telling me. It's maybe not fun at first, but you've got to. You've got to learn to witness. You've got to learn to defend the faith. That's what the... uh, the scriptures are telling us be ready at all time to uh, to to speak in favor of what you believe and practice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, all the art form is to do it well enough with charity, therefore, which I like frequently, so that the people that listens to you have their heart opened. It's not enough to, uh, in my opinion, to win a, an argument. Mm-hmm but you must also win their heart over the long term. On the spot, they will never, I would never myself, but to leave seats in their souls for the future, uh, that would be my point of view. And that's what the Vandians would do. Uh, they would have an openness. Uh, they, uh, you can see it in, my, in, my, in the, the Vendée film, that they say, once the enemy is at, on the floor, is down, wounded maybe, he's not anymore an enemy, he's a human being like everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to take care of that human being. Uh, and I think that's one of the messages of the Vendians. They fought to death, but they were also having all the ethic and the religion that told them to for- forbid those who had offended them. Uh, sometimes they did not, but most of the time they did. And always they had that as a way, a principle in their conscience anyway. So from my perspective, coming from France, that was very, that is still a very anti-clerical to America where we are more free still. Uh, that's how related to the Vendians. That's why I fought back when I was in the classroom. That's why I retreated to America, but I am producing now this film that is really is about trying to gain back territory in the ideas, in the minds, and in the hearts. Um, so hopefully, in the in the sacred heart, uh, this can be done. This is a, in my opinion, a spiritual crusade, uh, not a, a physically fighting crusade, but a mission uh, to evangelize and to turn the hearts back to at least the natural law and at the most the Catholic faith. Yeah, there's a couple of beautiful stories of, I mean, the Vendée guys, uh, just horror was given to them. But I remember, I think, I can't remember which general it was. There was a, 
the Vandean army wanted to, to just take out the troops that they had uh, as prisoners. And might have been, I can't remember who, who it was, because pray the Our Father. And they start praying the Our Father, and they, and they said, forgive us our deaths, we forgive those. He goes, stop! How dare you say, ask God to forgive us your deaths if you're not going to forgive these guys? And to a man, they put their their guns down and forgave the troops. And, and then you yeah. talked about the uh, uh, the statue that they made of uh, was a uh, Bonchamp. Bonchamp, yes. Yeah. There yes. was a guy two generations later. Mm -hmm. But uh, you, think, you see, uh, I would say also now, stop and let's forbid those that annoy us today, those that scare us today, those that hurt us today, and let's pray for them, actually, um, their, 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 their soul. Um, so it's a major thing. But there are two faces, I think, in that walks on this earth, is that the faith of you have to still stand up, and it's, a, it's an inner fight for even yourself, the purity of your soul, uh, confession helps us. Uh, so stand up strong, but also try to always keep in front of us the humanity of, on this earth, opponents of the persecutor. Um, and I think it's a, it's a nice word to talk. It's a great challenge. And, and that's what the Vendians uh, tried to do also. And they were the spiritual sons of uh, St. Louis de Montfort, right? This is very much said in America, uh, but when I am on the ground in Vendée and with historians of France, they, their story is different. Uh, they say that they were influenced indirectly by St. Louis de Montfort, Grignon de Montfort, but it's the more, more his disciples after him that went throughout the Vendée region and organized these, what they call these, uh, Mission de Paroisse, these parish missions, mm -hmm. has that also a lot and still has it. America, France, not so much anymore. Um, so those missionaries would walk on the roads of Vendée and announce that there would be a one week retreat for the whole village and that one of the goal, material goal of that one week would be to build up uh, by the intersection of the roads outside of the village, a Calvary, a huge stone cross where uh, there would be an additional sign of the Christianity of the region. So if you go to Vendée now, uh, very frequently when you enter on the last cross, road crossing before the village, there will be a very big cross, monumental, maybe uh, two stories high on on steps and you knew that it was the place where they had preached had retreats and uh, it's a sign that there was a parish mission that in the Vendée so that's those are the signs of indeed the catalyzation of Vendée yeah and the, uh, the story when they were getting uh, the masses uh, well they took the priest got taken away from them they would still have masses in the woods in the fields right uh, yes though so during the war of the Vendée, uh, when persecution was in full swing, that's classified historically as the reign of terror, mm -hmm. uh, the church went underground in most places of the Vendée. And uh, they, uh, 
that those stories that you will hear are reminiscent of the persecution in Ireland, where they would have built extra double walls in the back of their living room, mm -hmm. where a priest would be hidden for, for weeks or months. And uh, uh, so another action of underground was when the persecution was not yet full swing, but it was forbidden for them to go to the priest that they wanted, and they were forced to go to priests appointed by the governments, then they would create uh, night uh, rituals, night, nights pilgrimage to the local shrine outside of the village. So it was really nightly uh, religion uh, and, and spirituality. Yeah. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the government approved priests. They didn't like them so much that when they walked into the church, ladies would get behind them and scrub the, scrub the ground where they just stepped because they didn't want the church to be contaminated. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, and as for the, the love that is, the Vendians seem to have had for the priesthood, as I read the letters of the time, I may have read like a, you know, like half, maybe a dozen of books uh, that contained uh, the journals and the letters of parents with each other, or spas with each other, or grandmothers telling the story through their journal to their grandchildren after the war, you can see that the affection to the priests um, took the form frequently of uh, the children going to kiss the hands of any priest passing by because those were the hands that held the, the blessed sacrament yeah. at Mass. And um, so it's very touching, the, the, the faith and the respect for the, the good priest that they had in, in that time. Their, their hiding of the priest was putting them at risk because in the highest of the persecution, they would have been killed if they signed that they had helped a priest. The number of clergy that disappeared, it's a nice way to say that were killed during the French Revolution, is around 20,000 members of the clergy, nuns, bishops, and priests. That's a lot of people. Would you like an anecdote that I've read about a persecutor? And mm -hmm. uh, so the anecdote is the following. So this is the story of a, a ship captain, a merchant captain, uh, who is by the harbor waiting for some clients to, to carry uh, whatever merchandise needed wherever in around the coast of France or Europe. Uh, and he sees approaching soldiers um, who are having around them around 40 what appears to be clergy members, old priests and younger also. And the officers shows an order from the governments and show the money that he will pay the ship captain if, and I think it was an order, the ship captain had to load on this time 40 priests and open a second envelope uh, once he would be in high sea, but to know where he would have to bring those priests. So the captain received the money, loaded the 40 priests on his uh, ship and keep the, the second envelope uh, in his jacket. When he arrives in the high seas around an hour or 45 minutes later, he opens the envelope and the envelope says, 
this is where you bring the 40 priests that are in your ship now, Captain. You throw them overboard by high sea so that they drown. So the ship captain that was not so much a, a churchgoer and a Catholic still have had in him humanity, and he decided to download the priests down the coast further away, enough far away that the army would not know that. So that was a, a history of, that's here, a story of respect of the priesthood by the French population when they could, when they were not caught in the big system of the French Revolution, kind of more imposed from Paris and from the elites, they would return to some more behavior, better behavior and respect for the clergy. Yeah, I'm sure that, I mean, I'm sure others didn't have that heart and did the orders anyways. Uh, um, you mentioned a, you mentioned another story about, uh, was it a 10-year-old girl that got saved by one of the troops and she, they pushed them in a creek? Yes, yes. <coughs> um, for that Hidden Rebellion docu-film that I did, this is a high-quality uh, docu-film that every, I think, Catholic families should have in its, uh, in its library to show to the children and grandchildren at least once in their youth so that those children would become aware of what are we really against um, in, even in the Western world, in America or in France, when one is a practicing Catholic. Um, I always think that the leaders the clergy and communicators like us, Stephen, should uh, make the people of God aware about what it's up against. It's like to not tell them, it's like offering them to the, to the wolves, like sheep. So here, as I was filming this hidden rebellion, this docu-film on the war of the Vendée, the Catholics rebelling against the French Revolution, which is a foundation moment for all ultra-liberal ideologies and socialism. Here, as I was filming, is the story of what an actress told me at the end of the day. She was a figurant. That means she did not have really a acting uh, training. And at the end of the day, she comes to me and she says, Daniel, um, you are the director. We just filmed some, uh, some parts of that film the Hidden Rebellion, and I must tell you the following true story that happened because it happened two miles away about where we filmed. It's a story that happened on a farm during the persecution of the French Revolution of the Catholics in Vendée, and that farm had been burned down. All the people had been killed except a little girl around 10 years old that was crying on the dirt road leading to her farm, and it was raining. That little girl, 10 years old, is really shock-shelled. She does not know what to do. Uh, she does not have a family to run to anymore. She's really lost. This is really uh, heartbreaking, in my opinion. And uh, unfortunately, approaches one more soldier of the revolutionary army and by revolution in French revolution, not American revolution. It's almost the opposite. And that army, blue soldier, blue clad, uh, 
approaches her and logically he should also kill her after what she's seen that day. No, he does not kill her, but he pushes her violently into the ditch full of water that is along the dirt road. All right, okay, not killed, but shoved down the ditch, not fun either. And the little girl is about to climb up back on the dirt road now that the first soldier has walked away when she hears another patrol this time of seven soldiers approaching. She stays in the ditch. She does not want to, chant, to get another chance with more soldiers and she stays in the ditch and the patrol of six soldiers passes by. She waits a minute or two or five and eventually she comes back. She comes out. Yeah, there's a figurant that was telling me that story looks at me in the eye to make sure that I understood what happened. What happened was that the first soldier saved her life. What has happened is that probably if he had been with his own patrol, he would have killed her. What is also to be understood is that therefore that army of revolutionary ultra-liberal, ultra-leftist, ultra-socialist, which means communist, uh, armies do is that most of their, many of their people are still okay and fine people and they will not kill. But caught in that system of persecution, they will have to or they will be killed. And those were the orders indeed. Now wait for the end of that story I'm telling you. The figurant lady that had acted for that film behind me looks at me again in a very sincere way and she says, and Daniel, if I am here to tell you the story today, it's because that little girl survived because she was my ancestor. Wow. <laughs> That's an amazing story. And this is to say how this was real and that we have people today that exists because they survived. Yeah. Some that do not because their ancestors did not survive. So that is one real story that I was told me, producer of the Hidden Rebellion, while filming, as some of the figurants volunteering, were volunteering, because mm -hmm. that was the story of their ancestors and of their land. And on the outside, how, how many, at the end of the film, you mentioned how many, how many children, uh, was it a hundred or so that uh, you list at the end of the movie? So at the end of the docufilm, The Hidden Rebellion, um, which is about the resistance of the Catholics uh, under the French Revolution, and actually the first armed and prayerful at the same time resistance of Catholics, Catholics against totalitarian governments or centralized governments or ultra-ultra-liberal governments or collectivist governments. Uh, the French Revolution inspires today all socialists, all all communists uh, and it has been an experiment that the Soviet Union when it became socialist uh, the Republic USSR means Union of Soviet Repu Socialist Republics let's not forget and let's also remember that Nazi also stands for National Socialism mm -hmm. all of those had as a root politically the desire 
to find all solutions in the state ruling most aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. So uh, justice is okay ruled by the government. Police is fine. Army is almost necessary by the governments. But most of the things, such as education, of course, can be done totally by, by the population. And it's one of the social teachings of the church that is called subsidiarity. As long as a lower entity in a nation can do the job and do it well, it should be done. And the entities above, such as the nation, the government, should only serve the lower entity, such as the families uh, or the parishes or the villages of the town. Anyway, so uh, what was the theme of that clip today, Steve? I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. How, I mean, it's, uh, it was, it, I was about the, uh, we, the, 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 the the children at the end. Yeah, the children at the end. A hidden rebellion. Yes, if you watch it, if you acquire it in the DVD, uh, we mention only 105, I think, children in uh, um, burnt in the church that was being destroyed and burnt by the government's soldiers. But that's an infinite uh, number of children. The overall number of laity, of um, people not in arm, women, children, older people uh, killed by the French Revolution in the Vendée is at the least 120,000. 120,000 people not in arms. Uh, and at the most 250,000, mm -hmm. is also for that region of the Vendée located under Normandy. It's also a quarter of the population uh, was in that time, 250 years ago, it was an ethnic, they had their local language, mm -hmm. uh, so a sort of sub part of French. They had all their customs. They, they had, um, they had special laws. So for that ethne, the Vendians, a quarter of them was annihilated by the French Revolution. So those are the numbers. And you, can, you will see at the end of that film a moment that is, I am told, uh, extremely touching, uh, the, the story of this particular 100 small children. And there is a surprise at the end of the film. Good teaser right there. Uh, how can you, how can we compare and contrast France then to the United States now? I think uh, that America, if it was continuing in the same direction, would get to the disaster of the war, the Vendée, in, in a long time, in around a hundred years around the century because that's the time it took in France to change the minds. Mm -hmm. um, it's pretty little bit advanced in France especially amongst many of the college professors as it started in France mm -hmm. amongst the cultural creators, my category, the, and to, in the past in France it was the novelist, mm -hmm. the who wrote theater or who wrote novels. Today, it's the people who produce films, mm -hmm. uh, the writers of scripts, 
the actors, well, more or less, they follow whatever the spirit of the time tells them to say and what the script writers tell them to say also. So it's more the thinking people, the producers, the professors, the writers. I would say a hundred years, it, we would uh, end up with that genocide of part of the French people. Um, but a lot of other things would have to happen. Maybe you could, you could argue that it could take only 50 years because of the media, the force of the media is more spontaneous nowadays. Um, if a film is done, it's seen, it is showed uh, by, by a lot of the population within four years, five years. Mm -hmm. uh, so it could go faster. Uh, it does not have to go in that direction. <laughs> we must not be fatalistic. Uh, if it's the word in English. Yes, right. Yeah, it right. can. You're good, you're good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, we, we see example in history of other civilizations that went down and went up again. Mm -hmm. In the Roman Empire, there has been periods of decline, decadence, and then rebirth of, of the empire for another two centuries where it was glorious again. So, um, uh, we would believe in destiny if we were to say it's going to happen badly now in America. And we do not believe as Christian in destiny. Uh, we believe in the, the free will in man answering yes or no at every second of his life to do the good or to do the not so good. So, so, uh, but if a lot of parameters were lined up, it could take, okay, let's say 50 years. Now, what are the signs that we can see in America? And also I want always to insert the hopeful signs. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the hopeful sign for once. That's rare in our circle, don't you think, Steve? <laughs> hopeful signs would exactly. be that the fight against abortion mm -hmm. is like the fight today against slavery. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Christians in America are shining. And that's the best cause ever to fight today because that's where the most evil is today at, by the numbers of infants killed. Mm -hmm. And by the who is killed is like they, uh, children. Children. I mean, now we are debating if it can be left to die, the child, after the abortion is performed and that child survived the bad, bad abortionist. Mm -hmm. That means uh, we, we are, some people, many people are talking about we will let that child that was born die because the intention was to kill it mm -hmm. just a second before he come out of the womb. Uh, so this is pretty, pretty horrendous, it's disgusting, it's horrible, and, uh, and uh, so I, my point is that a light is shining because a lot of people that are very correct, right, straight, and many of them are Christian, many of them are Catholic, are fighting for the good, great cause of today. Um, so I believe in some ways that the more we put energy in that great cause, the more it will do good to America. And it's, it's looking like it's working actually these days. Uh, 
so now I'm going to speak a little bit less about the evils of today. The evils of today that I think are very important is that how many, not all, professors in colleges are indoctrinating younger people when they are barely 17, 18. Mm -hmm. And that's got to stop. Those professors, parents must tell them, they are not there to indoctrinate into their own political ideas. They are there to teach physics or engineering or computer science mm -hmm. or literature, but not to do something that they love to do for themselves, to have their ideas replace the ideas in the souls of those people, mm -hmm. of children. That's got to stop. And the parents must become smart and not send their children, not the, let them, their, their uh, teach students, their children, go to most of those colleges. They have to go to the good one. Let's mention some good one to do some publicities. There you go. We have uh, Christendom College, mm -hmm. Thomas Aquinas College. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, um, Steubenville, that's the ones I know as a, as a, as a newcomer in America somehow. So, uh, there's one starting up in Florida. I forget its name, uh, but in Ocala, Ocala, uh, I wish I his name, uh, but there's a traditional Catholic school college starting up in, in Florida. I, I just, Yes, so, uh, well, then let's go to the, the page of Stephen that will put a, a, <laughs> a list of the good school, where to go. <laughs> I mean, and to you, the young people that are listening, go that road of the good Catholic colleges. Uh, don't go the road I took. I, I was dumb, like most people are, unaware, ignorant. I came to America and I went to whatever colleges but when I came out and a few years ago, later, I realized what was really my identity and my faith. I realized that that was not the people I could have, the women I could have married. Those were not, I could have been friend and I should have been friend absolutely with them, but I could not have founded a family with them. Mm -hmm. uh, fortunately, well, we have beautiful stories of conversion too, but I would not leave that to the to that risk, and yeah. also the risk of being corrupted oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, by those ideas, because we are not supermen intellectually when we are seventeen and eighteen and we arrive in a college. Yep, yep. You come out a straight up communist at a college anymore, which yes. we were talking about. Uh, how do you talk or evangelize to those who do embrace the socialist ide ideology? Yeah, so why are we talking about that? It's because I, the producer, Daniel, <clears throat> having made this hidden rebellion, which poster we see behind me, which can be acquired as a DVD, and I would be, I would be suggesting that you do, especially if you are parents or grandparents, so that you sit down your children and grandchildren, each of them as a group, one time when they're around 12 years old, so that they do understand what Christians are in for in this life, on this earth, in the world as it is today, and as it's going to become more and more in my opinion. But I say that with hope and with courage, okay? Um, 
So I, the question is how do we Catholics or Christians or people of goodwill, I always include this, the good people also, uh, to, to others who think that suddenly they found the miracle for everything called socialism. The short answer is, uh, and we are saying it frequently, it's been tried and around five or 10 years later, such as in Venezuela now, it's all tears. Um, but I can talk to you about my French experience, uh, how it happens. Um, if you travel to France today, you can see beautiful things and pretty terrible things. And you wonder how those two are together. The very beautiful things such as being invited into a family and savor what it is to be parents. People know still what are parents and what are children. They are not, they are not friends with their children, but they are very sweet and they want to always educate their children. They always are not into playing, um, but if they play, it's got to be teaching. So one beautiful thing, and of course the magnificent architecture and the Louvre Museum, beautiful, magnificent frescoes, and, uh, and even the food. How come the food was pushed to so, so much subtleties in that country? All of that was existing in the Catholic France for 16th century up until the French Revolution and may still be a, a, a century afterwards. And since then it declined. And you see what you see in the streets of Paris where I have American friends who are being almost lynched in the streets because they don't do what the French want them to do. Or um, imagine the D DMV in America, the Department of Motor and Vehicle, and how we are not very much treated well in there. Even the post office is like a next, you know, like you feel you are in school again or, uh, or in the army again, because they do not care. Their service is not, the quality of the service will not make them keep their job. That's what happens in socialism. And imagine the DMV atmosphere at the bank, in France, and that is what could happen in America. Imagine it, imagine it in many supermarkets because, because by osmosis, the bad behavior of the socialist public government system transpire and influence the behavior of whatever is still free, such as a supermarket. Um, they will tell you and order you to put your chariot and your caddy where it needs to be put. It's really, it's really heavy on the people. And when you look at the streets in America and people in the eyes, in small towns at least, they tend to smile at you and to say hi. Never, almost never will you hear that in the streets of Paris. They will look down at the ground. Um, so how do I talk to them? When they are very sure that their system, socialism, is the best thing ever in the world. Frequently, I tell them, listen, did you ever re hope and dream to write a book in your life? Yeah, I'm going to write a book. And I tell them, well, 
the government will have to tell and read what you have written before it gets to be published. And, um, and you are going to write the book with six or seven other people. If not, if, if you cannot write it by yourself. This, if you have the desire to write a novel, this is your life in socialist France. In anything you do, it's a com in many things you do, and let's not exaggerate, it's a committee. They keep telling you, I have to speak with my team. And very few things get to be done that way. And also, it takes away the fun of life because we are on, on, on as Christ told, told us, um, I came to bring life to the full, to the full, to the fullest to people. Pardon my bad English sometimes. Um, I kept them so that they have life to the fullest. Well, in socialism, you have your life to the more blah way because you cannot really uh, write your novel. And that's a metaphor I exaggerate, but you can. They're that, doing that in Canada right now. Yeah, Canada does that. But you have situations where since college is free, you have one chance. And at 17 years old in France or in America, you choose most of the time, half of the time, the wrong direction. In America, five years later, you go back and you redo it. In France, no, you've done it. You've studied to be a pastry maker or to be uh, something else. That's your training. And, uh, and it's all about papers to show and so forth. So what I tell them frequently is I refer to, you wish to write your novel? Yes, I want, I'm going to write a book in my lifetime. Well, you won't be able to write it by yourself. You won't be able to say everything you want to say in that novel because it's going to be controlled because we cannot let people write a novel by themselves. That would be crazy. That would be too dangerous. That's what I tell them. What do you think about the Vendée compared to Saint Jean of Arc? I pronounce it in French. Jean of Arc. Jean of Arc. Jean d'Arc. Jean d'Arc. Uh, how you, uh, how, are they linked in any way that in your mind? In some ways, the, the Vendians that are in the Hidden Rebellion in my docu film, um, they have the same soldier's ethic as Joan of Arc. Okay. I've done the docu film on Joan of Arc and the docu film on the Vendians, and I saw the same ethic as warriors. Mm -hmm. um, let it be just the um, the forgiveness for the wounded. Mm -hmm. um, Joan of Arc, uh, in I think it was to the Warwick, to the general Warwick, in one night before the battle of the next day, she approaches the fortress that was held by the English occupying France. And she calls on to that general. Let's say it's Warwick. I think it was Warwick. And she says, Warwick, do not fight tomorrow. You may very well die. And your soul is in bad shape. If you die, it's going to be eternal damnation for you. It's for you that I tell that. Do not fight. Empty the fortress. Retreat to England tonight. We will not pursue you. 
<laughs> amazing. Yeah. Who talks like that? Isn't that touching? Yeah. But, but, but that's how Christian warriors should do, you know? It's because the Christian warrior should not be the pagan mm-hmm. warrior. Mm-hmm. Maybe conservative pagan. He's mm-hmm. a pagan. So pagan. One that wants to kill absolutely the opponent. He should regret the killing. If it's self-defense for himself or the country, he should do self-defense and he may have to kill. But he must at all times still pray for the opponent. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Vandians were doing. Um, when General Bonchamp forgave to 5,000 prisoners, that's what he was counting on. Um, they were at hand. The farmers who were so, so, so offended and wounded that those soldiers had killed their families, many of them wanted to take a revenge and kill those soldiers that were unarmed. Um, and the retreating Vendée had to cross the Loire River, fleeing a more massive contingent of soldiers. And either they freed those prisoners or they killed them. Mm-hmm. They could not bring them along, especially going through a river. Mm-hmm. So eventually, they pardoned those prisoners and they let them go. They shaved their heads first so that they would recognize if they come back, came back, they would really shoot them. At <laughs> point. Uh, so between Joan of Arc and the Vendians, uh, I know my example of the Vendians is not the best example. There was a, uh, a care for the opponent as a human being and not only as a, an opponent in one battle on this earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see that when you read about it and read about the generals, especially. But yeah, I mean, what's what Daniel's doing, everyone, is uh, you know that whole line of ignorance of uh, was it if you uh, forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. My mind's losing it. So he's trying to teach something that's been suppressed, just like the Cristeros teach uh, Cristeros war in Mexico was suppressed by the state in France. I'm assuming it's not being taught. So he's trying to get this in the open, shining light on it, so yes. we don't repeat that history. Yeah. So yeah, go to it's hiddenrebellion.com. Uh, you can get the DVD there. You get the combo DVD and badge. Uh, <laughs> I want to see, by, by the way, when on TV, such as on EWTN or elsewhere, you see the film, you don't see the director's cut as I, the director, conceived it. You see a shorter uh, version that is uh, an hour long. Mm-hmm. When you acquire the DVD, you see the the film as it was meant, 75 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's all, uh, more artsy, more emotions, more backstory. And also with the DVD, you get the, uh, the bonus. And some people have told me, you know, how come you put in the bonus parts of these interviews that were fabulous? I think I said, because they were not fitting with the whole, overhaul. But yes, uh, in the in the bonus of the DVD, you see that the interviewees reveal more of their life. Why are they themselves so involved of bringing bringing to light the hidden rebellion? In some ways, to make it short, watching the hidden rebellion or learning about the Vendée War, it is as if Auschwitz, but the Nazis 
had been hidden for 200 years yeah. and was today revealed and books suddenly were emerging and that the Nazi had won, which in some ways it's the truth today, the ancestors of the French Revolution are ruling, are ruling the media, the elites, the campuses and universities, and they don't want this to be told because this says, describe the genesis of the leftist thinking, the leftist ideology, and that beginning, at that beginning, there was a genocide. Mm-hmm. And horrified, scared, if this is to be known. Oh, yeah, this is a, not a recommendation. This is a must-have for every household. Just get it, and buy it, buy a gift for your friends. If they don't get it, get your parish together. Uh, I know Daniel will be in Raleigh the next, not, not this week, but next week. The, the, the 14, the, uh, what is it? The f- in two Saturdays, uh, I present the film uh, and I exchange with the, the, the public on the Saturday evening in uh, Wake Forest. Wake Forest. Uh-huh. And the Friday before, in two Friday, it's the 13th or the 14th, I am in Rocky Mount. Um, and you shall see that on the hiddenrebellion.com website and on my Facebook, Daniel Waborden, or the Hidden Rebellion on Facebook. I post wherever I present the film and I speak it to churches. So all churches, all parishes can contact me on uh, rebellion.waborden at gmail.com and ask me to come show the film, mm-hmm. have all the equipment, We've done that 170 times to around 9,000 people. Yeah. So, and I, I, I thank you, Steve, uh, with your blog. Uh, this is also marvelous work that you do. Way to, this is the way to regenerate, to become educated. Mm-hmm. I always want to be fun when we do this. The more knowledgeable we are, mm-hmm. more comfortable we are with our faith, because as John Paul the Great was saying, the soul flies with kind of two wings, uh-huh. faith and reason. Uh-huh. Here we are talking, we are feeding our reason, we are educating ourselves, uh-huh. and we are even more comfortable when we believe in our beliefs, because our reason says, yeah, you can believe this makes sense. So we are making sense so that we are happily, happy believers. Oh, yes. And all the links in his email, I'll put in the show notes underneath the video. So if you go to the website, just click the description thing on the drop-down box. You have the link, his email, contact him, get the DVD, get the badge. And uh, yeah, Daniel, thank you for your time. Appreciate, uh, uh, appreciate may, all you did. May I, may, I, may I, with you, launch yet another clip? Go for it. Of- Do it. This is more for the Catholics uh, and no, the Christians, all Christians. Uh, we have a treasure of information to deliver to the people in America. Oh, yeah. That treasure is the following. You, my friend, who is not so much of a believer this day, but you may be uh, next day or next year or at the end of your life. You may be like I may have been with that faith for a while myself, Daniel. Uh, do not you know, remember the book, Don't Fret for Little Things, Don't Sweat the Little Things? Uh-huh. Do not sweat the little things on this earth because you have an eternal life. Uh-huh. Yet, 
That eternal life, you see how smart and well done it is by the Creator. That eternal life requires us on this earth to, to live correctly, to do good. So we are going to fight on this earth, not absolutely to win. And therefore, if we fail, we are okay. Mm -hmm. We will have tried really hard because we do it for the eternal mm -hmm. life. So this is a virtue of hope that implies that is done on this earth, you really get involved in politics, in education of your children, education of your family, uh, for, by, with books or anything, good schools. We spoke about good schools and maybe watching all families, I think, should watch that one time, yeah. Christian family, including non-Catholic. This explains a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So we owe that to our fellow citizens. It's a little bit the light that we must carry, that victories, political victories or failures on this earth are not the end of the world. <laughs> In some ways, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Daniel, thank you. Thanks again for your time for us. And obviously the movie, I, I was a big fan right off the bat when I heard about it coming out years ago. So glad yes. to have you on and glad to talk to you. And we got to do this again down the road and see, we'll talk more about the Vendee and uh, how things, well, especially after the election, see what happens. Yeah. But uh, well, God the, time, bless you. The, the, time are, the time are needed for uh, the Vendean to speak to America. Um, as Cardinal Sarah said, uh, today we are all Vendeans uh, <laughs> because we are all basking in a cultural environment that, if we let it to, will dissolve our faith and even our morals. Mm -hmm. And so, what did the Vendean do? They resisted. If they have resisted pacifically, as we must do at first now, they would have. Um, but resisting means self-education, means also have enough good friends with your same faith and your same values that you can live out your value mm -hmm. and also have friends who do not have your values. But don't assume that you will be strong by yourself and immerse yourself with people that don't have your values we will get corrupted. We will be, get influenced too much. We are not strong enough. We are not supermen. We are supermen if we are with friends, if we are with families, if we are with village, if we are with parishes. Um, so uh, That's a good point. It's that we got that the army logo is uh, army of one. It's a, no, no, you're for example, a team. This is a team effort here. Uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yes, it can be taken from both sides, isn't it? <laughs> one, like an army. We are one together. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel, uh, I appreciate it, bud. And uh, yeah, we'll talk soon. Get the badge. <laughs> God bless. Yeah. I'll pray. Pray the sacred heart. Amen. Just.